Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Um, a few years ago, uh, um, so I, I was I was on Facebook. Um, I used to be a little bit more active on Facebook. I, I pretty much aren't. I'm not on it anymore. But um, I posted something. I don't remember what it was, but I'm sure it was something profound and important and all about justice and truth and equity and all that stuff. Um, anyways, um, an old old friend. He 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 replied, and you know he kind of posted some facts refuting my thing, and I was like, no. That's wrong, and I went all out. Um, I so I, I just like started doing research, and I highlighted key facts and figures, and I showed how the information he was citing was manipulating data. And I went back to the original sources, and I got the authors like quotes, and um, to, you know all to back up my point. And I spent um, like almost a day, just like just on Facebook, like letting this guy know he was wrong, and. Um, and every time I like made the comment, he just made like a little sarcastic like jab. Like he didn't actually like give me an argument back. He just gave me like a little piece of sarcasm, and it just infuriated me more, right? And I was just like, and I was like, oh yeah, we'll take this. And um, but but that night, you know, as I was trying to like, to go to bed, I was telling Alyssa how I, you know, defended truth. Um, uh, I, uh, I, w I was convicted. Um, now, not about um, being wrong, and, you know, not about any of the facts or the truth, but how I was engaging in this relationship. See, my friend, uh, we, ha we hadn't really been around each other or spoken in, in, in decades, probably. Um, well, that might be an exaggeration. But like we probably haven't had an actual conversation, conversation, you know, besides like pleasantries, like hey, I haven't seen you in so long. We should get together. We never do, you know, um, in decades. And the only way that we, the only time we actually really talked, talked, was um, whenever we were on Facebook to tell each other that we were wrong. <laughs> and uh, so as I was laying in bed. I, uh, I was thinking about our friendship and what it meant to me. Now, I, I've often spoken about um, being a teenager um, and my faith as a teenager and um, you know, getting kicked out when I was 16 and you know, pretty much being homeless and bouncing around friends' homes for months until someone from church took me in and let me live there until I graduated. Uh, but whenever I was uh, moving around you know, from house to house, I couldn't get a job. Uh, because when you're a minor, uh, you know, parents have to sign things for you. And I wasn't in contact with my parents. And so I couldn't get a job. I mean, I was able to find, you know, odd jobs, um, you know, so I can buy some school supplies or whatnot. But, you know, after a few months, you start to look scruffy. Things start to, to get scruffy. You grow. And uh, clothes are expensive. Um, in particular, shoes. Shoes are expensive. And uh, hey, Zeb, can you put up these shoes? Um, 
uh, my shoes started to fall apart. And actually, this, uh, my, my shoes were maybe a little bit cleaner than this, but they were probably a little worse than this. So I was, uh, my toe had come apart, and my heel had come apart, and I started to uh, keep them together with duct tape. And, you know, that was rough because uh, duct tape's slippery. And, you know, so I had no traction on ice and snow. And, you know, and being a teenager and, all, you know, all of, 16 or 17 years old, you know, I was trying to play it off like, you know, no, no, this is cool. I'm being cool. And, uh, but I wasn't, I just didn't have shoes. And my friend, this friend, he, he had noticed my shoes and he had a job. Uh, he was a bagger at Safeway. This is back when there was Safeway and cars because Safeway hadn't bought cars yet. And uh, he noticed my shoes. And uh, one day after school, he said, uh, he's like, hey, let's go to the Northway Mall. And we went to the Northway Mall. Um, and when we got there, he took me to Foot Locker and he bought me two pairs of brand new shoes. Uh, they were Chuck Taylors and they were different colors and so I could wear the two different colors mixed matched because you know, that's how cool I was. Um, and I thought about how much that had meant to me. Right? And now fast forward to this interaction that we just had. Um, this all-day interaction, this all-day like fight. Um, and uh, I was really convicted in my spirit. And I said, hey, um, and, and this is this is a paraphrase because we ended up deleting our conversation, but I'll get to that. But I was like, hey, I don't like the way we're speaking to one another. Some of the kindest like acts in my life were because of you. You bought me shoes. And you're important to me. And I value and cherish our relationship, even though we don't see each other much or talk much. I still disagree with you. But you've earned the right to have a voice in my life. Even a voice I disagree with. I love you, brother. And uh, within 20 minutes of me posting, he deleted all his snarky comments. I deleted all my condescending rebuttals, and, uh, and that was that. And, uh, I, don't, I don't know if his heart changed uh, because of what I said, but I know my heart changed. Uh, because how my buddy chose to spend his money as a teenager some 30 years ago, it affected how today I live my life and how I'm choosing to live my life, right? How he chose to, to, to spend, spend the money that he was working for that affected now, 30 years into the future, how I interact with people. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that weird? Because our finances, um, they're a document. They show what's important to us, really important to our values and our convictions. And uh, I don't know if that makes you squirm as much as it makes me squirm, but that's how important this topic is. Uh, you, as Christy said, this is the fifth Sunday of our month of the month. And on uh, the fifth Sundays, we pause whatever sermon series we're in. Right now, we're in the series on First John. And we kind of do a series uh, uh, talking about the nuts and bolts of church, why we do certain things in church. And so today, uh, 
we are talking about everyone's favorite topic, money and how we spend it, our tithes and offerings. So let's pray. Lord, we pray your truth um, is shared. We pray, pray that your love is on display. In Christ's name, amen. Now, uh, this is something that I don't think this church has explicitly talked about in many, many years. Because I've been here for five years. And in the five years I've been here, um, the last two years as the lead pastor, and then three years before that, um, so I know it wasn't preached on. And uh, talking to Pastor Max whenever he was here, um, I think he was here for 10 years. Um, and though he preached on money and generosity often, um, he explicitly told me he never preached on tithes and offerings. Um, so, so sorry, guests, if you're hearing it, but this is a once in 15 year thing, so you're, you're safe. Um, <laughs> But this is a big topic in the Bible, um, and maybe one of the biggest, you know, with how much of the Bible is devoted to explaining on, like, on giving and how, how, you, how do you handle your finances. Um, and there's, there's lots of scripture that we could use for this topic. Um, that's one of the problems sometimes about being topical. It's because there's too much stuff. Um, so I, I just really want to center on one passage, and this is a Deuteronomy 26, uh, 1 through 15. And the whole book of Deuteronomy is, uh, it's kind of like Moses' farewell speech to the people of Israel um, as they're about to enter in the promised land and he's getting to, ready to die. And so it's, it's, and it's focused on how the people should live and how they should structure their society when they enter the promised land. So with that, let's, uh, let's read. And I'm going to pause every once in a while and just kind of explain things. Once you have entered the land your Lord is giving you as an inheritance, and you take possession of it and are settled there, take some of the early produce of the fertile ground that you've harvested from the land the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket. Then go to the location the Lord your God selects for his name to reside. Go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I am declaring right now before the Lord my God, that I have indeed arrived in the land, and the Lord swore to our ancestors, the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give to us. The priest will then take the basket from you and place it before the Lord your God's altar. And then you should solemnly state before the Lord your God, cliffhanger, we'll just pause. Um, so this is what they're supposed to do whenever they get to the promised land. Um, and now, the promised land is the land that was promised uh, to them, right? And so they're supposed to take their first fruits, their first crops, their best, and they're not supposed to eat it. They collect it to the basket and they bring it to the temple. They bring it to church. All right. My father was a starving Arab man. He went down to Egypt, living as an immigrant there with a few family members, but that is where he became a great nation mighty and numerous. The Egyptians treated us terribly, oppressing us and forcing hard labor on us. So we cried out for help to the Lord our God's ancestors, God. The Lord heard our call. God saw our misery, our trouble, our oppression. 
the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, with awesome power and with signs and with wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land full of milk and honey. So now I am bringing the early produce of the fertile ground that you, Lord, have given me. Set the produce before the Lord your God, bowing down before the Lord your God. Then celebrate all the good things the Lord your God has done for you and your family, each one of you, along with the Levites and the immigrants who are among you. So when the people bring their, their offerings, bring their tithe, um, they're supposed to remember their history. Okay, they're supposed to remember their history. They're to remember all the suffering that their people had endured, all the suffering that they endured. And they, they can't forget that because if they forget the events um, that shaped them, then they're going to forget how good God has been to them. Because once they were strangers, right? they were immigrants and refugees, but God provided for them. Once they were an oppressed people, a minority made into slaves, but then God set them free. He gave them good land so they can prosper. And so when they, they, they brought their tithe to the temple, it was a cause for celebration. Okay, it wasn't a duty. It was a cause for celebration because giving isn't a punishment. It's worship. It's supposed to be joyous, a response that despite the hard things that might have happened in your life, God has taken care of you. And so you give as part of your worship in celebration of the goodness of God. It's a sign of the goodness of God. All right, let's continue. When you have finished paying the entire tenth part of your produce on the third year, that is the year for paying the tenth part, you will give it to the Levites, the immigrants, the orphans, the widows, so they can eat in your cities until they're full. Then announce before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy portion from my house and given it to the Levites, the immigrants, the orphans, and the widows, in full compliance with the, your entire commandment that you commanded me. I haven't broken your commandments. I haven't forgotten one. I haven't eaten from the holy portion while mourning, nor did I remove it while I was polluted, nor have I dedicated any of it to the dead. I've obeyed my Lord God's voice. I've done everything just as you commanded me. Please look down from your holy home, from heaven itself, and bless your people Israel and the fertile land that you had given us, a land full of milk and honey, just like you promised our ancestors. Okay, so this tithe, uh, this tithe, this, this giving of 10% that Moses is talking about, it's actually technically a second tithe. The people already gave uh, their yearly tithe, okay, and that's, that's their sin offerings and their priestly offerings. Uh, this is a special offering. Uh, the, first, the first offering, it's sorrow for sin. The second, that's about the joy of deliverance. Um, and this offering is, is used to help people that were in need, just like they were. Okay, it's for the Levites, for the priests, it's for the immigrants, it's for widows, it's for orphans. People without anyone to take care of them. And, and, and the funds weren't just so that the Levites, immigrants, orphans, and widows could survive. It's so that the people that would normally be the least in society could be honored. They're not supposed to get the leftovers. They were to get the first fruits, the best. Before anyone else was able to eat, they were given enough to fill their bellies. 
In other words, the, the, the people that in society that were the least were to experience the full blessings of God. Okay, all the blessings of God. And that ties together in the community, right? Those with the least and those with the most. It knits them together. Okay, that's a part of the problem with, I think, sometimes with our community. We keep ourselves apart. But this was designed to bring us together. It's to remind people that were well off that once they had nothing, but it's only by the grace of God that they'd been saved. And, and for those that are the least, to know that despite their circumstances, God has not forgotten them and is providing for them, and they're not to give up hope. And now, church, these are commands for ancient Israel. Uh, that's how they're supposed to set up their society. But uh, their society was built to be a response to the goodness of God. But we don't, like I said, we don't live in ancient Israel. However, Israel was set up to foreshadow. Um, does anybody know what foreshadow means? Yes? What does it mean, Addy? Yes, a foreshadow hints along. It's a glimpse of something in the future. Israel is a foreshadowing of the fullness of the kingdom of God. And that is the kingdom all who follow Jesus are invited into. Israel was called to give a tenth in response to God's goodness. God, through Jesus, has been infinitely more good to us than he's been to Israel. He's been better to us because we have Jesus, the fulfillment of all the laws. The kingdom of God is way better than the promised land. It's the land of all promises. It's the fruit of all promises. And if they were called to give the first 10%, how much more are we called to do? Right? Our whole life should be a response of giving. A life that's constantly giving, that's constantly looking to bless others. Not just in church. I mean, that's a big part of it. Right? I mean, I'm supposed to be talking about tithes and offerings. So yeah, I give to the church. But in all the areas of our lives. And this is for grown-ups, this part. I know we think that we're generous, but how generous are we? Um, I would encourage you to do a financial audit, to check your finances, look at your taxes, look at your bank accounts, go through, through your spending. Okay, that was for me, that was for me, that was for me, that was, okay, that, uh, yep, that was for somebody else, that was giving. Um, does your spending and your giving reflect the gratitude of the grace that you've received? And, and, and this is something that is very convicting to me because, full disclosure, I do not handle the money in my house. Um, I don't. So I just drift along innocently, assuming that we're being generous without even thinking about it, really. Um, and I'm kind of scared to talk to my wife about this. I was writing the sermon, and I was like, oh, I have to have a conversation with my wife. <laughs> and uh, because, you know, I'm scared to find out, like, well, maybe I'm not as generous as I think I am. <laughs> um, and maybe that means that some things in my life have to change. I mean, and, you know, I try to set up my life so that it's just the way I want it, so I have the things that I want. But I've outsourced my generosity 
right? I've outsourced it, so I don't have to think about it. I've outsourced my giving spirit uh, to my wife, so I can pretend that I'm a giving person without ever having to really do some hard thinking about it and really looking at some numbers. Um, and I may be wrong, but I'm willing to bet that maybe some of you have done something similar. Um, no, maybe you're not lucky enough to be married to an ex-financial advisor who can, you know, be wise and tell us how we're doing our money. But uh, how often do you really look at your spending? How often do you check to see if you're as generous as you'd like to believe you are? Um, we say that God is good, and we say that we owe everything to God. And I know we believe it's true. But sometimes we forget what it's like to have nothing. I forget what it's like to have nothing. I forget what it's like to be a kid with torn shoes held together by duct tape. And church, every time we give, it's a chance to remember who we were, how God has saved us and provided for us. That's why we give. And that's why giving is part of our worship service. Uh, now, we, we don't pass along the offering plates anymore, and that's because of COVID. And I'm not sure when or if we're going to pass those again. Uh, but we still hold space for that. Back in the olden days of 2019, um, when we passed the plate, it was right after the Lord's Prayer. And then uh, whoever's leading the Lord's Prayer and the prayers of the people, they would give a prayer of thanks for the offering, and we'd all sing the doxology. Right? That was a part of the service that was built uh, to remind us that giving is a part of worship. And uh, I was just kind of thinking about it. I'm like, oh gosh, now there's just this kind of empty space where we used to give. Doesn't that sound like a metaphor for our life sometimes? <laughs> just an empty space where we used to give. And so, uh, so part of my job is trying to figure out how are we going to bring worship back how are we going to be giving back into worship safely? Uh, so keep an eye out. Um, I'm thinking it through. I don't have any ideas. But, um, but Christy has 10 million, I know. And she's be happy to share them with me. <laughs> um, I don't mean that in a negative way. That might have sounded negative, but I didn't mean that. That was a very positive thing. <laughs> um, so, uh, so you, but anyways, uh, pray for the staff. Uh, pray for us as we, as we figure this out. Because it's part of our worship. Okay. Now, one last thing about our offerings. Um, you might not have known it, but there's a table set up here, um, right up there in the front. And uh, Corinne, can you, can you come up? Oh, 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 you can bring your things. So, uh, so Corinne, I've invited Corinne, and uh, she has sat um, right up front, and she has been drawing the whole service. Um, do you want to show us what you drew? No. No? Okay. Ask her after the service. Um, now, um, Corinne, where did you get that paper? Yeah. Where did you get... Um, the crayons, markers, and colored pencils. Yeah. When we give, we're not giving God back anything that, you know, he didn't have. 
Um, this, is, this is a quote from C.S. Lewis. Many of you might have heard this. Uh, it's from Mere Christianity. Um, giving is, it's, it's like a small child going to his father and saying, Daddy, no, I'm not your daddy, but Daddy, uh, give me a sixpence to buy you a birthday present. And of course the father does. And he is pleased with the child's present. It is nice and proper. But only an idiot would think that the father is, um, is a, the father's sixpence is good on their transaction. God's not making anything off of this. All the stuff that we give back to God is already God's. This is something that's transforming us and shaping us. Right? It's teaching us. I know she's really embarrassed standing here. And uh, knowing that some of you will probably ask her, so what did you draw up there? Um, but it's still precious. It's still precious. What we give God is precious. Because God gives us stuff, and he wants to see how we're going to invest it, and how we're going to use it, and how we're going to give it back to him. Right? And that's why we're giving things. All right, you can sit down. Thank you, Corinne. God has given us everything. And we've received something even better than ancient Israel. We've received the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so what do we do with that blessing? Right? We spread it around. Um, I encourage you this week to investigate. What are you doing with all the grace you've been given, with all the blessing you've been given? And I don't say this to uh, guilt anybody. Um, if, if, you, if, if I'm making you feel guilty, um, we're doing this wrong. It's a cause for celebration, right? Because they give and they celebrate, remembering how far God has brought them. God is doing something in your life. God wants to do something in your life. And so I pray that... Uh, you can cultivate that spirit of generosity within you to reflect the goodness of God. Let's pray. Oh, actually, before we pray, anybody got any questions? It's kind of like a, a weird sermon. So uh, any questions about this? Giving? Going? Going? All right. Then I'll pray. Well, now let's pray. Lord God, you are good. And you have loved us and you have rescued us, Lord. And you invite us to be with you in your kingdom, Lord. Lord, we thank you for all the gifts, for all the love you have lavished on us. Lord, and we celebrate your goodness. We celebrate your care. Teach us to humbly walk in your grace. Teach us how to worship you with all of our lives, with our giving, with our singing, with our talking, with our working, with our resting. In Christ's name, amen.